We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. We're excited about that. So before we begin with uh, scripture today and with the word, let's open up with prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word that guides us, that corrects us, and that enlightens us in our behavior. We pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word. I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and our minds, and that when we leave here today, we'd have a better sense of who you are and an eagerness to serve you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, and everyone said... Amen. Amen. So when God speaks, when God speaks, and, and we've been kind of looking at really brief snapshots of, of different people's lives, and so far it's, it's only been prophets primarily. We saw Jeremiah and Samuel, and uh, we looked at when God speaks, what does that mean for us, and, and what does it mean in Scripture? Because we know that the Word of God tells us how God communicates with us. And the Word of God actually communicates with us too. And it, it's never cross-directional talks, meaning that we never have a situation where God tells us something in His Word and then tells us something completely different uh, in our spirit or through His Spirit. So uh, when, we, when we looked at that, we saw that when God speaks, He chooses correctly, all right? He chooses correctly. That means He picks the right person to speak to. And usually people are astonished by it, they're amazed by it, and they're humbled by it. Uh, When God speaks, it isn't always good news. At times, God shares something that is not good. In fact, it's a warning or it's a discipline. And when God speaks, it doesn't always make sense, especially with the prophet Jeremiah. He was doing a lot of strange things, and God kept telling him to be a visual illustration of what was going to happen to the nation of Israel. Also, it brings us into his plan. We begin to understand the will of God, and step by step we walk in it. And then when God speaks, this is kind of the primary one that we looked at last week. When God speaks, we respond with, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So that's a very important one, and and one I think that we want to resonate with and, and keep that in our hearts and allow God to speak to us. And And we talked about last week how we need to create space, create quiet, and give ourselves that time to hear the voice of God. Because often we fill up our lives with noise. We fill up our lives with activity. And then we wonder why we can't hear God. And maybe God is speaking to us, but he speaks in a still and quiet voice, and we're too loud to hear it. So we need to make sure that we give uh, time and space to God. This week we're looking at when God speaks to Paul, when God speaks to Paul, and and how he uh, speaks directly to him in a really interesting way. Paul is called to be an apostle, but he's a different apostle than the other apostles we see in Scripture, and we'll see why in a little bit. If you want to open up your Bible to Acts, we're going to jump back to Acts 22. Now, Acts is a book in the New Testament, and it's It's called Acts because action happens, things are happening, and I like to refer to it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and it is the beginning of the church, and it's almost like a history book of what happens 
in the church. And we're going to look at chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. So if you, if you find that, if you're with us, say, all right. All right. And we got it on the screen, too. So those of you who didn't want to open the Bible, I know it's hard work. <laughs> but we got it on the screen. It says, brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. So let's pause for a second. What is Paul talking about? Paul has been a minister, a missionary, a church starter for the Gentiles. And Gentiles are anybody who is not Jewish and following Jewish tradition. Gentiles would be you and me. Say, I'm a Gentile. Now, that is a loaded statement for Jewish people. Because Jewish people are very proud that they were selected by God. Jewish people are very proud, and they should be, that God chose them to create the Messiah from. Now, a lot of the Jewish people still, not, still do not believe that the Messiah has come. Some of them today even don't believe there's going to be an actual Messiah. They think it's all figurative, and it, it's not real. It's just kind of this idea out there that's, that's looking forward. But the Jewish people, most of them at this point, still did not believe that Jesus was the Christ. And, and so Paul ends up becoming this missionary to the Gentiles, and we're going to see how he does that and how that all comes to pass because it's really quite strange. But Paul is in Jerusalem, and, and Paul is worried that the people of Jerusalem are going to say, and they are already saying, there's gossip in the town going around, that Paul is teaching the Gentiles to break the commandments of God, to break the Ten Commandments. And, and, and not to follow in the Jewish way, and that it's not needed anymore. So there's a lot of uproar in the synagogues, the churches, the Jewish churches, that Paul is a heretic, that Paul should be killed, that we need to get rid of Paul. Well, a huge riot breaks out in the temple, and Paul is arrested by soldiers, and they really save his life in that arrest, because he's going to get killed. And now he's standing before Jerusalem, he's standing before his own fellow countrymen, and he has to give his defense in this mock, angry crowd of justice. And we're going to use that term very loosely, right? How many of you have watched TV lately, and you've seen riots on TV? In the United States, riots. You know, people wearing masks, throwing stones at each other. I mean, literally... It's interesting because when I was growing up, I'd read the New Testament, and there was always this tension that was going on in the city of Jerusalem, and, and there was a racial tension going on because they're, they're being held down and oppressed by the Roman Empire, and they believe that they're God's chosen. And yet they have to obey within these certain laws. And then also within it, there's a religious tension because anybody who goes outside of the normal religion can be killed. So what you have is a very very explosive type of situation in Jerusalem all the time because these people are trying to honor God and sometimes they're vicious. Have you ever met a vicious Christian? No. No, never. I mean, Christians are all lovey-dovey, right? Always want to get you via a hug and a kiss. Well, Judas gave a kiss, right? Sometimes we get it wrong, right? Well, a lot of the Jewish people had it wrong at that point. And so they're very upset, and they're trying to get rid of this. It was interesting, when, whenever I would read this as a kid, I'd be thinking, man, they lived in real primitive times because people would get mad and throw things at each other and beat each other near to death. 
But if I turn the TV on now, I see it. Humans haven't changed at all, have they? This type of stuff is still going on. It's still here. We can watch it on the news tonight, probably. So this is, this is them trying to oppress Paul and shut down his freedom of speech. <laughs> and he's standing before the court, and he says this, I offer my defense. I am my own lawyer today. And, and so what we're going to see is a self-biography of who Paul says he is. When they, heard them sp- were, when they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. So all of a sudden, quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Sicily, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs, and I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. Very good opener, Paul. What is he doing there? He's drawing comparisons. He's saying, hey, I I grew up in Jerusalem too. I was born here, but now I grew up here. And not only that, my rabbi was the best rabbi there is. Paul is a trained rabbi, meaning he grew up in the educational system. And and I don't remember how many doctorates they thought that Paul had by the time of the end of his ministry. Four or five in his studies is, is what they thought. He had memorized most of the scripture that he had at the time. He had memorized it all. And and so he's saying, hey, man, I am a Jew of Jews. I am just like you. I may be even better than you in being Jew. And this is where he goes. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. Now, if he had stayed doing that, he wouldn't be standing where he is today. Because he was doing exactly what they're doing to him. He was trying to shut down the speech. He was trying to shut down the message of the way, the Messiah. It's interesting because Gamaliel is actually mentioned in Scripture a couple different times. That was the rabbi that Paul says he studied under. And uh, in Acts 5.29, so we go back earlier, Peter is standing in front of the Jewish council, and they're very angry with him because he's preaching the gospel. And and, and this is his reply in 529. He says, we must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. Realize, you know, we read that and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, good job, Peter, right? Realize that his life is on the line when he says that. He's standing before the Sanhedrin who have the power to, to kill him, have the power to hurt him severely. And he says, you know what? I appreciate your authority and everything but God's is bigger. Have you ever been in a situation where it's going to cost you to say the truth? That's what Peter does right here. He says, we must obey God rather than human beings. I think that's something that we should all strive to do. Amen? Obey God rather than humans, even if it's against the law, even if it's looked down upon, even if it costs us money, even if it costs us our job, we need to obey God rather than humans. So in Acts uh, 5.34, we see Gamaliel who, who steps in and he starts talking. And when Gamaliel talks, everyone gets quiet because he's the most respected teacher there is. He says, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. And what he's saying is, it's either of God or it isn't. And time will show if it's real. Gamaliel is not a follower of Christ in this situation, but because of his words, God has used him to release them and to spread 
the church and the power of the church continues to go forth from there. So he is a well-respected man. So what Paul is saying is, dude, I'm like you, except for I'm a little bit better than you because I've been trained and I know the law better than you know. I know the scripture better than you know. And I used to be the one that was there doing the same things that you have done. He said, the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way, which is Christians, from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. Everyone say, in, of the way. Do you know that you're of the way? Do you know that Christians, isn't, it's not just a noun, it's, it's not a thing, it's a, it's a purpose and a plan and a path. That's what God is calling us to. So, so Jerusalem Council, the, the people that he's standing for that day, some of them probably were the ones that had their signature on the bottom of those letters to arrest whoever were of the way, whoever were Christians. They would go into the churches and into the little meetings in the houses and into the synagogues where they were worshiping, and they would arrest them and drag them back to Jerusalem for death, imprisonment, and persecution. This is how they're trying to shut down the way. So let's... Uh, Let's go a little bit earlier. We go to now jump forward to Acts chapter 9. So Acts chapter 9. This is before, before Paul is, is standing before the, the council that we just saw. Before he's standing before the judgment, we're going to read the story of how, how Saul becomes Paul. Did you guys know that he had two names? How his life changed. Acts 9, 1 through 22. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. Does that mean he's uttering a lot of them? What's his focus and his primary goal? He was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. Go to the next verse. <laughs> and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. This is what we read about before. Asking for the cooperation in the rest of any followers of the way... And he found there, and he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus, on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do any of you have that dramatic of a salvation story. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, was, I was going through these scriptures and, and I have in my mind, you know, Paul riding a horse into Damascus. And the reason I, I figured out I have this in my mind, I think we may have the picture of the painting. Maybe it's not in there. But it's because there's a popular artist that, that pictured Saul falling off the horse. And it was this white horse. And then it kind of brings us to, to our first point here is that when God speaks, he knocks you off your high horse. Do you know anybody on a high horse? No pointing. Do you know, do you know anybody who gets a little full of themselves? That happens, right? But when God speaks, he knocks you off of that high horse. And this is how Saul responds. He says, who are you, Lord? 
And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Can you imagine Paul's universe getting smashed, ripped apart, and broken? Can you imagine what is going on inside of his mind? Because everything he thought he knew was different. His life, his whole purpose was to persecute the Christians, to get rid of them, to eradicate them because they were the hypocrites. They were wrong and they were spreading lies about God. And all of a sudden, God knocks him down. Now, he wasn't on a horse. I don't think he was on a horse because it says they held his hand and walked him back but knocks him flat on the ground and blinds him. Do you think that's getting God smacked? Do you think God laid a little whooping on him? Now, now realize this. God loves Saul. Saul, God loves Saul, the, the man who is killing his children. God loves Saul. And, still, and so instead of just like, killing him with a heart attack or, or striking him dead with lightning. Instead, he knocks him down, takes away his eyesight, and says, who are you and why are you hurting my kids? And he's like, whoa, I don't know who you are. Who are you? And he realizes that everything he has lived for is wrong. How many of you remember your salvation experience? those of you that are saved. Now, now, some of you had a little bit more life to live before you found Christ, and so when you come to Christ, it, it, it changes how you see everything. It, it changes how you view the world. And, and that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be a dramatic change. And, and, and for Saul, this is huge. For Saul, a murderer. For Saul, a persecutor. For Saul, a, a man who is bent on hurting others, he's knocked off his high horse and humiliated and told, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now what does he tell him? He says, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Can we pop the picture of the map up there? Do we have that? Let's see if we have that. All right, can we see that? It's kind of widened out a little bit. But we see Jerusalem and Damascus. So Jerusalem is right here, and he's on his way to Damascus. And somewhere around 12 at noon, he gets knocked off his walker <laughs> and has to head back down there. And you see these are some of the travels that, that Paul had. Up in the, the corner there at the top in the middle is, is Tarsus where uh, he grew up. And, and this is a really interesting point because... In Tarsus, he was granted, even though he was Jewish, he was full-blooded Jewish, he was granted Roman citizenship because the city was so important to some of the people and rulers that lived there. Tarsus was an intellectual space. Uh, it had a lot of people that would share philosophies. There's a lot of things going on in that, that city. And because of that, uh, the people there were granted Roman citizenship, which comes into play in Paul's life later because he actually asked to be transmitted into the Roman court system, because he can do that. He can't be whipped, he can't be flogged, unless he's uh, not a Roman citizen. He has to stand trial. 
So you see that these are actual places, and, and Tarsus is actually what we call Turkey now. It's part of that. And you're going to see some of the, the pictures, and, and these are streets that Paul may have walked or his parents may have carried him across when he was an infant and a child. we got another picture there, I think. There's an entrance into the gate of the city of Tarsus. And so what he's saying is, hey, I'm of this city of Tarsus, so I, I have some authority just from that. But I also was raised in, in Jerusalem, and now he was heading to Damascus. We saw that on the map earlier. He's headed to Damascus, and God says, you've got to go back to Jerusalem. So verse 11 says, I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there, Ananias, and he was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. And he stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I could see. <laughs> he's blind, and he's being led. And, and realize, he wasn't just off his rocker. He didn't have an aneurysm or anything else, because people heard the voice of God. They heard it. They didn't see the light, but they heard the voice. Can you imagine his friends and his soldiers that were there with him that are going to arrest these other people? Their leader gets knocked down and says, hey, we got to go back home because I can't see. They lead him there, and he finds the man he's supposed to. And then his eyesight is brought back. Do you think God stepped in and found Saul? Do you think God sought after Saul? Do you think he pursued Saul? Now, I, I want you to show you this. Jesus pursued you in even coming here, but also he is pursuing you now, and he continues to pursue you. And if it takes you being blinded, he'll allow that because he loves you so much. And that's what he did to Saul. So his companions led him by hand to, to Damascus, and he regains his sight. Verse 14, then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What you are waiting, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. By calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance, and I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. That brings us to number two. When God speaks, it changes you. Do you see Saul is changed? In fact, his name is eventually changed. It's changed to what? Yeah, just a couple differences there, right, Paul? It, it, it's changed to Paul. It has... Uh, a con completely different meaning. It has a different purpose, and his whole mission has been changed by God. And when God speaks, it changes you. He became blinded, but his eyesight was given back. And, and Paul, it's interesting, Saul means, means called by God. Pretty cool name, right? Called by God. You know what Paul means? I didn't know until I looked it up this week. You know what it means? Small and humble. Whew. Do you think the experience that Saul went through to get to Paul made him feel small and humble? Oh, yeah. 
you realize that this guy had it made. He was going to be a, a top cat. And, and these guys, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the time, they made a lot of dough. They had nice houses. They had indoor plumbing, believe it or not. A lot of them did. They had baths inside and all of this stuff. He was going to be all right. His life was set because he had the right teacher, the right degree, and he had the right mission. And he was going to make a name for himself. And he was going to help God out. And boy, he was a Jew of the Jews. And he was the best of the best. And then God knocks him off his high horse, and now he becomes Paul, small and humble. If we're worshiping the true God, if we are in the word, if we are praying the way we want to, we should be praying, then, then we're going to realize that in comparison to God, we are small and humble, that God has adjusted us in our ways of thinking. Verse 19, but Lord, I argue, they certainly know that in every synagogue, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. So what is God doing? God's saying, hey, I want you to go, and, and I want you to go out and tell people about me that you were trying to kill. And, and so he goes, whoa, Lord, uh, they certainly know that in every synagogue, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness, Stephen, was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So even in the persecution, there was a mission that came out of that. Even through the pain, there was a purpose. Everyone say pain. Sometimes your pain will be your purpose. Say purpose. God has a purpose for you. He has a mission for you. And that brings us to number three. When God speaks, you respond with his mission. When God speaks, you respond with his mission. The Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. As soon as Paul says, Hey, man, God sent me to the Gentiles. You know what happens? All that racism in their feelings, all that emotion comes forward, and they go, No way would God save the Gentiles. We're number one. And they get really upset with him. They begin to shout, Away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. And they yelled and threw off their coats and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. They're about ready to kill him. But this is who Saul is called to. He's called to the Gentiles. So Saul becomes Paul, and because of Paul, we're here today. We're here today because we're Gentiles, we're worshipers of Jesus Christ, and we are actually the fulfillment of the Jewish law. We are following that. We're not completely different than, than the Torah. We are following in line with that. We believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the risen Savior and Lord, and we are grafted in to God's plan, and we are part of that because of what Paul did for us, a small and humble Paul, because he responded to God's mission. So Saul becomes Paul and changes from a racist Gentile hater to the apostles to the Gentiles. All right? He comes back to Jerusalem a couple of times and says, hey, here's what should happen with the Gentiles. And he's an advocate for them, and he teaches them and preaches them and starts so many different churches. And Paul becomes a missionary moved by the Holy Spirit and eventually a martyr just in the way he tried to martyr others. In the 1970s, there's a story that comes out of it. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. Have you ever heard of Nikki Cruz? Some of you, yeah, I see a couple hands. Nikki was a, a Puerto Rican that eventually moved into New York City, and, and his, his parents weren't with him. And in the 50s, he got caught up 
into gang violence and became a gang leader of the Mau Mau gang in Brooklyn. And this is a vicious gang. In fact, he, he has said that he stabbed at least 16 people, which means he's not a really cool guy, right? You don't want to be around a gang member stabbing people. And they would run the streets and, and intimidate people and take their money and, and just cause all kind of havoc. There was a young preacher who lived in the country of Pennsylvania by the name of David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson felt the Lord tell him to go to New York. And then eventually on one of his other trips to New York City, he met this Nicky Cruz. And then the first time they met, Nicky Cruz threatened to kill the preacher. And God called him back into that. Eventually, Nicky Cruz repented and became a Christian. And actually, he's a preacher now and preaches to millions. Maybe you've heard of a story. Uh, it's called the, this, oh, I'm going to get this wrong now. The, oh, where is it? Cross and the Switchblade. Cross and the Switchblade. There's a movie made about it with, with Pat Boone. And uh, he has become known for being a person who follows Jesus and starts ministries the way Paul did. He views his life as a missionary. So he went from trying to kill people to being called on mission with God. Now, I don't know if any of you have tried to legitimately kill people. If you have, don't raise your hand. I'm sure if we said, have you ever, you know, thought about that lightly or at least damaging somebody, you'd raise your hand if we did that. But realize that Jesus calls the murderers. Amen? That's not fun to think about. Jesus calls the persecutors. Jesus loves everyone, and he tries to bring them in. Because we don't know who the next missionary is going to be. We don't know the rest of their story. And we may look around us in our neighborhoods and our cities and everything else and see that there are some people that are pretty bad. And we may write them off, but I want you to know that God has them. That God pursues them like he pursued Saul. And he's willing to change their name, change their direction, and change their mission. Now, now what does that mean for us? Well, it means that no matter what you've done, no matter who you've wronged, no matter who you've hurt, that God is willing to call you, that God is seeking you, and that God wants to change you. He wants to change your name. He wants to change the way you live. He wants to change what you do, if you're willing. Let's pray. As we pray, Ryan and Dwight, you guys can get ready to jump in that baptismal. Lord, we thank you that you, you don't have this checklist in your mind of who you want. That you don't just say, hey, uh, I'm looking for the good people in the world. I'm looking for people who haven't messed up. I'm looking for good family men and women. Uh, I'm looking for children that, that get these types of grades or anything. But instead, Lord, you say, to all who believe. Lord, you extend salvation to all of us. Help us not to write anybody off, but instead, Lord, help us to pray for our enemies because what you want to do is save our enemies. You want to give them faith and hope in who you are. So Jesus, today, I, I pray that we wouldn't be walking around with guilt, that we would realize if you can forgive uh, Paul and turn him into Saul, that you can forgive us of our past transgressions, you can forgive us of our sins, and you can use us in a mighty and powerful way. Lord, when you speak to us, help us to respond by being on your mission, by following through with your plan. Lord, we thank you for this baptism that's going to take place. And, 
and what it represents. Lord, we pray that we would remember our baptism. And if we haven't been baptized yet, that we would take it as a sign that we ourselves should participate in that, just as Paul was baptized. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. Until next time, continue to grow in Jesus.